Nebuchadnezzar is so upset with them and so full of rage uh, that the furnace is heated seven times beyond its normal capacity. And uh, the men that are to cast these three into the furnace perish as a result of how horrendous the heat of the furnace is. And something unusual happens because these men refuse to give up ground. Even if it cost them their life, they're going to stand for, with God. They're not going to worship some pagan image. And so we read in verse number 19 through verse number 22 as we look to three areas of attention that we want to give to this passage that takes us all the way down to verse number 30 concerning the rage when you're not complicit with the man of sin. And he's somewhere, I don't know where we're at, but somewhere in the world right now, he's probably alive in his uh, late 20s. And um, he's about ready to take over. I may, you know, let me back up and say he's probably alive in his early 20s. Because if, if he begins to reign and uh, he, well, no, that's, that's right. I'm trying to think here. And while I'm thinking and talking at the same time, I get things all fuddled in my mind. But when he's going to make the scene, he's going to be a young man about 30 years old. And when he's about 33 and a half years old, they're going to kill him. And um, when he comes back to life, he's not going to be the same friendly guy that he was for the first three and a half years. He's going to be full of a lot of rage. And he's going to do everything that he can to wipe out any form of Christianity that's still here on the earth after the church is raptured away. And he's going to do whatever he can to completely annihilate the people of Israel. All of this is going to happen very soon. And uh, we're just waiting for everything to be lined up. Uh, all the prophecies that point to the coming of the Lord uh, are out there being fulfilled right now. There's really nothing that uh, we have to wait on for all this to happen because it's already there. The technology and everything that the Bible says has to be done for man to buy and sell without a number, it's already out there. Uh, the world is coming together. Uh, perhaps very soon, this pandemic is a pandemic to bring people together. And so it is it's coming soon. You know, they're checking to see how complicit we are. When you see the rage and the anger in uh, some of these little uh, small-time leaders that are mayors and governors and presidents, you can imagine what it'll be like when the big man shows up. And he takes charge of the entire global network of those that join in in this uh, confederation of ten nations. So we're living in some interesting times. And we begin reading at verse number 19. And then we'll make a few comments after we're through reading verse down, down to verse number 22. And then we'll do it again with verse number 23 through 25. And then we'll conclude with verse number 26 through 30. And I can see that I already made a big typo in that number three. There's no 263rd verse. 
There's a 26th verse, but uh, anyway. So here we go. Let's begin reading here. So then was Nebuchadnezzar, he was full of fury. Why? Because uh, the three men, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, which he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down and worship this golden image. An image that uh, depicts who he is, an image that also depicts the Antichrist, which Nebuchadnezzar is a type of in this passage. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace, one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his armies to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king commanded, commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, or exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you take your Bible and just turn with me over to Revelation chapter 12, uh, this kind of gives us a scene of what's going to happen in the tribulation period. The church is going to be raptured out, as we know. Praise the Lord for that. Because God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to salvation. And uh, because we are the bride of Christ, we are a chaste virgin. And the Lord has promised us uh, that we are now no longer under condemnation. And God, out of his mercy and out of his grace, now has loved us with an unending love. He instructed husbands to love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Uh, so husbands wouldn't allow their wives to go through something like this. Well, honey, I'm going to take a vacation because uh, some bad things are going to happen in the Coachella Valley. It's going to catch on fire. The devil's going to reign and rule. He's going to look, hunt you down. He's going to try to cut off your head. Uh, he's going to do everything if uh, you refuse to receive that mark. But uh, after seven years, if you're still alive, I'll come and take you home. Uh, but I do want you to know that I love you. And I've commanded all husbands to love uh, their wives as I love you. Now, is that what, you know, doesn't say that. Uh, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? Well, he took their wrath upon himself that they might be a chaste bride. And so <clears throat> we're not going to go through any wrath. So that's what the Bible promises. And we're right in that same category of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We got 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where we're assured uh, that we can encourage one another and comfort one another with that hope. And he goes on and clarifies why we can do that because we've not been appointed unto wrath. And so for 
all those guys that say, well, you're going to have to go through the tribulation, even the pre-wrathers. And there is no such thing as a tribulation that's half wrath and, and, or half peace and half wrath. They call it the pre-wrath. The first three and a half years is pre-wrath because there's no wrath. But the way I read Revelation chapter 6, it looks like a lot of problems to me in that first three and a half years. People dying, wars and famine and pestilence and sickness and disease. All these man-made things that come upon them. And then the last three and a half years is what the Antichrist and the Lord brings upon mankind. So when the devil comes down, he's going to come down just about three and a half years into the tribulation period. It's going to be known as the time of the abomination of desolation. Jesus Christ said in Matthew's gospel uh, that when that period comes, we need to flee. So you found your way over in Revelation chapter 12. Before we read what is there in Revelation chapter 12, let's go over to Matthew's gospel chapter 24. And let's look at verse number 11 while the thought is still there in my mind because it may just fade away. And so while it's there, I better say something about it. Uh, let me get over here. Okay, I'm there, so you can go there now. It's found in Matthew's Gospel 24, verse number 11. Look what it says there. Matthew's Gospel 24 and verse number 15, excuse me. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, now, notice the parentheses. What does it say there, class? Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would that be there? If God says, or, you know, there's some say, well, we can't understand this. You can't understand what's going on there. You know, it's not really for us to understand. Revelation can't be understood, but it's all about the abomination of desolation. And God says, yes, you can understand. And so God does want us to understand. He has opened our eyes and he's given us insight. And we have an understanding that they didn't have during the time of Daniel. And so God has poured out his knowledge. So whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now, if you're there in that period, of course, the church has been raptured out. There's no imminent return now. They know that he's coming soon. They know exactly when he's coming. The days can be counted down because God has numbered those days. From the abomination of desolation, he's numbered the very number, the very day that he's coming. He's coming right at the end of three and a half years. And so we are told very explicitly when he comes. And so the Bible says when the abomination of desolation takes place, then those that are in anywhere in the world, boy, they need to run and hide if you're a Christian. The children of Israel, he said, boy, you need to run and hide. Notice what he says in verse number 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. 
For then shall there be great tribulation, such was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying when the abomination of desolation takes place, it's going to be a horrible time. Why? Not only because God's wrath is going to be poured out, because Satan is going to be cast out of heaven. And he's going to be cast down to earth. And the great dragon, Satan, is all of a sudden going to reign in all of his fury. His, what uh, we might call the unholy trinity that represents the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Antichrist, will be put to death. And the great dragon will raise him up with life. And <clears throat> when he is raised up with life, he will then to be raised up with all fury and with all wrath. And he will cause everyone to receive that chip that I talked about this morning, either in their forehead or in their hand. And within that chip will be the number of man and the number of the devil and the number of the Antichrist. And the number of the unholy trinity, really, which all comes up to the number 666. And so... <clears throat> Everyone will be required in order to buy or sell to receive that number. And those that do not receive that number out of his indignation, out of the, his wrath, because they refuse to receive that number, because they refuse to bow down, and because they refuse to worship the image that he has set up in his likeness, they'll be hunted down, their heads will be lopped off. And that'll be their fiery furnace. And who knows, there may be a fiery furnace as well. well. There'll be all forms of execution as well as the guillotines. The word of God is very clear on this. Notice in Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse number 12. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he have but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time, that's Three and a half years for you that don't know that. Time singular, time plural, and time half time means one year, two year, and a half a year. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. But the earth opened up or helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We won't get into all the ramifications dealing with the seed, but the seed is in reference to the seed of Abraham. And we are children of Abraham through the seed of Christ. 
we've been adopted into his family. And all who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ become a part of his family. Christ is our brother. And we're a part of his family and the family of God. And Satan is out to destroy all who are believers who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ during the tribulation period. There will be people saved during the tribulation period. But Satan in his great wrath is going to kill every one of them. I want you to notice what is said over in Revelation chapter 7, in case you didn't know this. In Revelation chapter 7, if you have your Bibles there, we understand that God is going to raise up 144,000 prophets out of the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe. And as a result of these Jews during the tribulation period preaching Christ, the Bible says after this in verse number 9, Revelation chapter 7, I beheld and lo... A great multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and, and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood Round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, they fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light upon them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto the living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You see, these have gone through the wrath. And many of them, they've been headed, they've been beheaded, they've been, they've been killed, they are martyrs. We read later on in the book of Revelation that while the tribulation period is going on, they're brought into the presence of God, their souls, and their souls are awakened, they're crying out, How long, O Lord, until you take vengeance upon the earth? And the Bible makes it very clear that those are those that were beheaded. They were slain during the tribulation period. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. And so what we read over in Daniel chapter 3 is just a hint of what those are going to go through that refuse to worship the beast during the tribulation period. What a terrible scene that we see. The Word of God makes it very clear as we saw <clears throat> Wednesday night in Revelation chapter 13 that this image that they refuse to worship is going to anger 
the devil. We read in verse number 6 that Satan will go as a man into the temple of God. And after 42 months, the Bible makes it very clear he'll open his mouth. He'll be at first a really nice guy, but after three and a half years, he goes into the temple, verse number 6. He opens his mouth and he blasphemes against God. He blasphemes his name and the tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And then notice in verse number 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. It's going to be a terrible time. This is what Satan is going to be allowed to do. To make war with the saints and to overcome them and to and power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Are we listening? You don't want to go through that period. If you're in this vehicle called belief that I talked about this morning, make sure it takes you to the person of faith, the author and finisher of your faith. And if you have been brought to him, then you're going to know because God is going to give to you repentance and you're going to yield to him. You're going to obey him. You're going to start following him. You're going to fellowship with him. You're going to follow him in believer's baptism. You're going to unite with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that everyone that was saved was then baptized and added unto the church. Christ is not coming for the believers. He's coming for the church. He's taken out his church. Are you a part of the church? Have you been added to the church through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Have you obeyed him? You see, the Bible makes it very clear that when Christ comes, he's coming for those that are part of his bride. Have you identified yourself? There's all everybody, you know, well, none of that's important. Church is not important. All these ordinances, they're not important. They mean nothing. They're important to God Amen. because it signifies that we're a part of the brideship of Christ. And those that are unsaved, maybe they had some degree of faith or belief, I mean, they're going to be brought into the tribulation period. My goodness, you don't want to go there. Left behind. Left behind to be cast into the fiery furnace. Left behind to receive the mark. You see, the ones that are cast into the fiery furnace to where the Lord Jesus Christ stands in the midst with them are the ones that have not heard the gospel. They were the ones that understood after the church was raptured out their need to be saved. They did not understand. They did not hear. Or it could be that for some reason they were deceived and they did not really know how important it was to put their faith in Christ. But those that understood, those that heard time and time and time again, you don't want to be there. I think I need to remind you since it came to my mind 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's just go there for a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible makes it very clear. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who is the son of perdition? He is the one who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship. Who is the son of perdition? He is the one that sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Bible says, remember not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. In reference to the Holy Spirit working through the church of the bride of Christ. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible says that then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. But those that are left behind, the wicked, when he is revealed... He's going to deceive those that heard the gospel but refuse to receive it. Look at verse number 10. He will deceive them with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Those that heard the gospel repeatedly over and over and heard it and understood it. And just simply thought, well, you know, my little bit of belief without really obeying God, without serving God, without joining His church, without following a believer's baptism, without taking any part in, my, in the Christianity, without being attached to the vine, without any evidence of proving that I am a child of God, feeling the anointing of God's Holy Spirit upon my life, and just constantly resisting, constantly saying no will be left behind. And because they have heard countless of, of time after time and millions and millions have never heard the gospel once, God will say, well, you had your chance. Well, we need to pay attention to this. Because look what he says. Verse number 11, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned. Why? Because when they had opportunity to receive the truth, they did not receive it. They all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, <clears throat> I've run across Christians. Well, you know, I've, those say, well, I'm not ready to go there yet because, you know, preacher, I, I got a little, a little bit of life to live right now. You know, the Bible talks about that over there in the book of Hebrews. And Moses, when he had the opportunity, he chose Christ rather than the things of Egypt. He knew that there would be joy and there would be a lot of pleasure in, in the things of Egypt, but it would be very temporal. So he chose the afflictions and the, and the sufferings of God's people he chose Christ rather than that. So, 
they're cast into the fiery furnace. Why are they cast there? Because they would not worship the Antichrist. They would not worship his image. They would not bow down and worship something that God told them never to worship. Oh, it's a dangerous thing when we start bowing down to statues and praying to emblems. I don't understand how people can call themselves Christians and bow down and pray to a statue. And that happens in so many places. There are places today they call the house of worship. If you took their candles away, you took their statues away, you took their Marys away, you took their Jesus hanging on the cross away, they wouldn't know how to worship God. God help us to realize we don't worship God by bowing down to idols made with by man's hands. We worship God in spirit and truth. We don't even have an altar for our cross for you to come and bow down before. No, we bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Word of God is very clear on that. Now, <clears throat> we move to the second part of my message. I got boggled down there, so I need to speed up a little bit here. Notice in verse number 23 through 25, they're rewarded for being complicit to Almighty God. And we read in verse number 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, king, was astonished, and he rose up in haste. And he spake, and he said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo. The word lo, that means, that's an attention giver. That means, wow, what's going on here? I see four men loose. Notice they were bound. The fire didn't touch their hose. It didn't touch their coats. It didn't touch their garments. The only thing the fire burned was what their hands were bound by. They were set free. You see, when you put your faith in God, he has the ability to unbind those things that keep us in bondage. And so they were set free and they were at liberty in the midst of the fiery furnace. Isn't that something? But not only were they set free, there was someone with them in the fiery furnace. Knows what the Bible says. Then they answered and said unto him, King, true, O king. And he answered and he said, Lo, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the first is like the Son of God. Now that's the way the King James Bible translators translated. There are some out there say, well, it needs to be sons of gods. That's what he really meant. But for some reason... There was 56 scholarly men, some of them that could speak as many as seven languages fluently, devoted their entire life to the Word of God and to various languages when they were appointed by the king to translate the Bible from the Greek and from the Hebrew into the English language that took them more than seven years, this is how they translated it. 
And so evidently Nebuchadnezzar, though he doesn't get saved until the end of chapter 4, understood that this wasn't God's or one of the gods that was in there, but this is God's singular. Somehow he understood because I believe that Daniel, Hananiah, and Michelle, and Azariah were telling him after several months of being in his presence that they believe in the true and the living God. And they refused to bow down and worship their gods, plural, because they believed in a monotheistic God that could deliver them from these phony false gods, so therefore they were not going to worship this image. And if God decides not to deliver them, so what? We're going to obey God. And so they were cast into the furnace, so he understood this is their God, singular, not plural, not polytheistic, but monotheistic. God is in there with them. I get so fed up with these phony, watered-down translations that confuse people about the Word of God. Good preaching. And so anyway, God is there with them. He's there with them in the form of a man. Has that ever happened before? Of course it's happened before. Many times God showed up as a man. We find that all through Scripture. We go all the way back to the time of Abraham, when he was called Abram, on his way back from delivering Lot and those that were taken captive when they were living down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham and his little army of men went and delivered them from uh, the various people there in that valley that took them captive. On his way back through Jerusalem, he met a man by the name of Melchizedek. He was the high priest of God. He was a man that had no beginning, no ending. And Abraham understood that not only was he a king, but he was also the priest of the Most High. And Abraham worshipped him. God makes it very clear, you're not to worship anyone except for God. But evidently, God accepted the worship that Abraham offered unto Melchizedek. And so, not only did he worship him, but he paid tithes to him. The tithe is the Lord. And so, there are many that believe that Malchizedek, Melchizedek was what we know as a theophany. We see something interesting over in the Gospel of John chapter 8. Notice in verse number 56. Jesus was making it very clear that he is the great I am. And Jesus said before Abraham was I am. And they said wait a minute you're not even 50 years old. How could you have been around in Abraham's day? And Jesus said, your father Abraham worshiped or rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Why? Because Abraham saw God. Now, some believe that Abraham saw God when he was on the Mount Moriah offering up his son. And he called the place Jehovah Jireh, for in the mount it shall be seen. Others believe that Abraham saw God through a theophany when he met Melchizedek. 
But evidently, Jesus Christ showed up before his incarnation. Remember, in Genesis chapter 18, there were three angels that showed up. Two angels went down into Sodom. One angel stayed back and met with Abraham, and that angel blessed Abraham and reassured him of the covenant. That angel was the Lord. Well, we understand that was a theophany. God showing up in the form of an angel. We see that all throughout the Bible. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God. That is a theophany. There was a man he wrestled with, and the man touched his thigh, and his thigh became hollow, and he limped for the rest of his life. And this angel said, Your name will no longer be Jacob supplanter, but I will change it to Israel, the prince of God, for I, for he had wrestled with God. Well, who is God? Jesus Christ. Amen. He is God. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He says, I am that I am. How interesting is all of that? We find that Job met with God. And God said to Job, as he spoke to Job, he says, Job, have you created the heavens and the earth? Can you name the constellations? Can you name the stars? I've named every one of them. I know every one of them. I've created every one of them. Can you stop the waves? Can you cause the waves to inundate the land more? It is I that sets the boundaries. So Job was talking with God. And so it was God that was there. It was not a God. It was Almighty God. Isn't that interesting that God could care enough for us that he would show up in our time of need? You know, when he's got the entire universe to be concerned about and all the angelic host and everything else, and yet he can show up just for you. When you get ready to pass from this world, by the way, my good friend Ernie Danny went home to be with the Lord today, and I called his wife just to offer some words of encouragement. And she said, well, we're rejoicing because he's with the Lord. And God gave him a peaceful passing. The Bible says, Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Wow. God shows up in our greatest time of need. And he carries us through. And so he showed up for them. He'll show up for us. I like what Isaiah said. Look, we're just about ready to wrap this up. But I'll just look at this. This is so beautiful. Isaiah 43. I know some of you are familiar with this. Isaiah 43, verse number 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. <laughs> oh, I could get on this COVID thing. But <laughs> I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. You know, Jesus is the same sheep. It's the same thing. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse number two. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God the Holy One of Israel. 
Do you know Him? Hey, He's with you. I don't care what you go through. He's there. The Bible doesn't say if you go through the waters or if you go through the fires. He says when you go through the waters and when you go through the fires, I will be with you. Why are we so fearful? What happens if I come down? Well, I won't mention it. Well, he says, I'll be with you. Well, let me just say this in closing. Notice uh, I sip 29, verse number 29, apart from the rest of the verse. We'll just jump down to that verse. The deliverance and the praise for when we stand our ground, even our enemies rise up and take notice. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar said, I will make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I want to close by having you turn over to the book of Philippians. We're almost done. Philippians chapter 2. You'll have to wait on me for just a moment till I can get over there. I have to, Galatians, Ephesians. Oh, there it is, Philippians. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Notice with me verse number 12. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, humbled himself and went to a cross for us. We need to be willing to bear a cross for him. So the Apostle Paul says in verse number 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So do all things without murmuring and disputing. In other words, when you're going through trials, don't murmur and dispute about it. Just praise God because he's with you. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, when the world comes after us, When the world opposes us, when the world threatens us, are we going to shine as lights? Are we going to buckle up and cave in and allow them to take ground from us? Notice what he says in verse number 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I might not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I offer upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. In other words, there's coming the day when we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us. And the Apostle Paul was saying as he was writing to the church at Philippi, you know, I was responsible to take the gospel to you. I was responsible to encourage you and help you. 
And I understand what's going on throughout the regions of Macedonia. I know what's going on in Colossae. I know what's going on in Philippi. I understand the persecution you're going through. I understand what Nero has done. I understand all of the afflictions that have come upon you and the poverty and the sorrow and the heartache. But you have stood faithful, continue to stand faithful. So when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, as he instructed or whoever it was in Hebrews chapter 13, I may do it with joy to your benefit. Are we going to stand faithful? Because um, what they went through, we're, we may end up going through. You see, at this time, Christians were being hunted down. They were looking for Paul that they might arrest him. They were looking for Christians that were standing for their faith. Nero hated Christianity and all the emperors after him hated Christianity. And the church was going through tremendous, tremendous trials. And the Apostle Paul tells them to hold forth the word of life. Are we going to hold forth the word of life in this crooked and perverse generation that we live in? With every head bowed. As he goes on, he says that we may press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God, which is Christ Jesus. So let us continue on. One day we're going to stand before Jesus. Do we have the same mind that he had? To stand firm, not to cave in, to humble ourselves and pick up whatever cross he calls us upon us to bear and to run with him. Looking to him, trusting in him, leaning upon him, understanding that he's always with us. I wonder, with heads bowed, is there anyone here this evening say, Preacher, there was something you said in the message that God spoke to my heart about. Pray for me. We're not going to give an invitation, but if there's something that you would like for me to pray with you about, I know the Lord knows what it is, and I'll pray for you as well. Anyone like that preacher, pray for me. Thank you. I see those hands. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for those that showed up tonight. Lord, help us to realize that our lives are moving so quickly and soon it'll all come to pass. And what we do for you and only what we do for you will last. So help us, Lord, to live our lives pressing toward the mark of that prize, which is Jesus Christ. To stand before him, the light of glory, to hear those words that we want to have uttered from your lips. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we be able to end our lives and run our lives 
well as the Apostle Paul and say that I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. And for the young, may they remain on that course. And for us that is older, may we not get off that course, but may we stay the course. For we ask this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people say it. Amen. Well, that's it. I can't think of any more to say, so good night, and we'll see you Wednesday.